Hey, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Press On. I'm Aaron Rios, and I'm so glad that you're with me today. Hey, have you had a chance to listen to my new worship EP? It's called Hiding Place, and you can find it on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, and everywhere else music is sold. Why don't you go check it out? Leave a review. Share it with your friends. I believe that the songs on this EP are songs for such a time as the season we are living in. I pray it blesses you. Be sure to visit Aaron on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share your favorite episodes, which are now available on all podcast platforms, including the Charisma Podcast Network. And consider becoming a financial partner by supporting this ministry. Visit AaronRios.com for more details. I am the first territory that needs to be conquered. Well, I share that with you because I'm not pointing fingers. I'm simply considering how comfortable am I in a world that's on its way to hell. Welcome to Press On with your host, Aaron Rios. We pray you are enriched, encouraged, and inspired to run the race and to press on towards the cause of Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about the uncomfortable. When's the last time your presence made somebody feel uncomfortable? Now, your first response might be, hey, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. In fact, I'm a Christian. I'm a good, loving individual, and love wouldn't make somebody feel awkward or feel uncomfortable. I need to make people feel welcomed. I need to allow people to feel comfortable in my presence. And I agree with you. I think there are aspects where we are, uh, we oblige people and we show gratuitous courtesy to people. And people should feel a sense of welcome and love. But there's also something intrinsically designed within the life of a believer that at some point, if you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, at some point, there's going to be a line drawn in the sand. And by nature, there's going to be ingredients that do not mesh with other people. There's going to be aspects of your life that don't click like they ought to. I remember the years of my life where I tried to fit my life with other people. I, I was like a round peg trying to fit in a square hole, or perhaps a better analogy would be a puzzle piece. You ever try to take a puzzle piece and try to force it when it's in the wrong place? What happens when you do that? Not only do you damage the puzzle piece, but you damage the pieces around it if you continue to try to force it. And I believe by virtue of that, because of the ingredients, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in the lives of believers, if you insist on trying to force yourself to fit in a worldly pattern, a worldly habit, an ungodly environment, an ungodly relationship, an ungodly job, ungodly friendships, things that you're not supposed to fit in. If you try to force yourself in it, somebody's going to get hurt. There's going to be some damage. I want to dig into this today. I really would hope you would perk your ears up and listen because I want to talk to you about the uncomfortable. I'm going to begin by reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verses 14 through 17, and we're going to cruise right through this, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to deposit some nuggets of truth in your life. Now, let's call them seeds of truth, seeds that are going to take root, and it's going to grow something in your life. And it's going to equip you with the ammunition that you need to be able to navigate in an ungodly culture, in an ungodly time without losing a sense of the godliness in your own life. Remember, now look, the mission and the purpose and the intention is that you would be a light, that you would be salt, that you would bring flavor, that you would bring illumination, that you wouldn't stand on a podium and declare how much better you are than other people. That's not what we're talking about here, but we're talking about how terrible I once was. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And perhaps that's not your testimony. Maybe you've lived a spotless life. Glory to God. We actually should hear testimonies of God's ability to preserve people, right? Everybody wants the testimony of the drunk prostitute, the drug addict, the broken life that was redeemed. And that's beautiful. But we also need equally the testimony of those who have stayed faithful. God has kept you. What's my point? This isn't about being better than anybody. It's about being better than who I once was and letting that be my story that others can experience life in Jesus. So let's dig into this passage. Beginning with verse 14, it says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or or what fellowship has light with darkness? So already, as we're diving into this, We're giving some antonyms, right? Some antithetical uh, ingredients that are here in this present world and in the world to come and how immediately they cannot be served on the same platter. Um, Let's keep going here. It says, what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God just as God said I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore come out from their midst and be separate says the Lord and do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you now when I read this my first thought is this is somewhat of a harsh passage. It's harsh depending on what side you're standing. Well, I mentioned for years, I tried to force myself to fit in like that peg, like that puzzle piece. And I realized it was actually God's pr- preservation in, over my life that kept me from locking in to a culture that's antithetical to the kingdom of God. So I want to revisit the question that maybe I opened with is, when's the last time you made another person feel uncomfortable because, there we go, because you were living for God? When's the last time that your life of witness actually created a problem or created a meshing or I should say a lack of meshing, a lack of connection? When has your life as a believer caused you to be disjointed with the world around you. Something by nature in our heart and in our life is going to cause us to not be able to truly mesh with unbelievers. And so I think the grand idea here is how comfortable are you in this world? 
How comfortable are you when you sit down and you watch a, a film that's loaded with violence and sex and it's loaded with drug usage and and language that you definitely wouldn't let Jesus sit next to you and watch. How comfortable are you in that setting? How comfortable are you uh, the way you spend your Friday nights? Now look, I don't know any of you. I'm not calling you out. This is for you to consider for yourself in as much as I wanna consider it for myself. These are tough questions. I have to ask myself, how comfortable am I in this world? How comfortable am I knowing that people around me do not know Jesus? And to be completely honest, it doesn't keep me up at night. And that grieves me. It doesn't keep me up at night that my neighbors don't know Jesus. It doesn't keep me up at night that I'm not doing all I can to see the lost one. I am the first territory that needs to be conquered. Well, I share that with you because I'm not pointing fingers. I'm simply considering how comfortable am I in a world that's on its way to hell. Now, this passage illuminates several things. It starts off by saying, do not be bound or yoked together with unbelievers. If you've ever heard this passage, I know I used to consider that this passage was speaking about my dating life. But then I got married and I realized that I'm being called into relationship, into community as a Christian, just simply more than being called into marriage. Some of you may not even be called to be married. What am I actually being called into? I'm being called into community because the disposition of people is to want relationship. So much so that we will compromise our ethics. We will compromise our convictions. We will do risky things to be in relationship because that's how badly people want relationship. And so the author immediately is telling us, do not tie yourself together. Do not bring 50-50 to the table and compromise the other 50%. Do not find completion with an unbeliever. Do not allow an unbeliever, I put it this way, do not put yourself in a position that an unbeliever has the ability to influence you. Uh, now, you're gonna find secular you're gonna find people out in the world that have wisdom, that have business strategies, that are gonna be able to teach you secular teachers, secular leaders. There's secular information out there, non-Christian, non-biblical, it's just practical information out there that you can apply to your life, to your tool belt, to make you a better business person, to make you a better plumber, to make you a better mechanic, whatever it might be. There is uh, general knowledge. There is increase. And in those capacities, you'll say, hey, I got this person that he mentors me. He tutors me. He influences me. And to a certain degree, that's acceptable. But we're talking about to such a level of influence that is an influence on the soul and the spirit of who you are. Listen, here's a better way of saying it. Do not allow yourself to become influenced by things that later on Jesus will have to rid you of. The world and this culture should not be your ultimate standard or point of authority. 
The whole idea of do not be bound or yoked into something. Now, we know that the author is referring to the image of animals that have something around their neck that they are connected to another animal, so they become a co-laborer in something, a common goal. And so if the person I am yoked together is not sharing the same common goal, then we're not going to be working to the same endpoint. We may be pulling in opposite directions and we're going to make our life more taxing and more laborsome. Do you find living out your faith in a community of people who are not believers, in a community or relationships where they are not sharing the same goal is taxing you on being able to reach your goal? When you yoke yourself together with people who are not going after the things that you are going after, then they are ultimately preventing and hindering you from achieving the things that God would have you go after. So you have to ask the question, are the people in my life helping me go after the things that God has for me? And if the answer is no, then I pray and I hope that God would shift it on you, pivot it on you, that you would become the influencer in the lives around you and that you would help propagate and push people towards the goals and the purposes that God has for them. Well, the author goes on to say, what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, I love this passage and I love that statement. The division between the two are stark. It's obvious. There's no relationship between light and darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is the absence of darkness. There, there is no relationship. There is no harmony. There is no equal meeting ground. And every time I drive around and I see one of those stickers that says coexist, and it has all the varieties of faith, as if we can harmoniously live together in fellowship as one. Uh, those are one of the most absurd stickers I've ever seen because every single one of those religions have a main tenet that would run contradictory to the other with the exception of a few. But the point is, is no religion is fully inclusive. Every single one of them is going to share a, a, an ultimate fundamental that's not going to allow one to exist within the other. Why? Because there's, there is no mutual meeting ground between light and darkness. And what I'm saying is that some of you are trying to blend light with darkness and you're wondering why things don't seem to be working. You're wondering why life seems to be frustrating. You're wondering why you walk around with a weight and a sense of anxiety and conviction on your heart and you feel like God's not pleased with you. It's because you're trying to hold on to the darkness and bring in the light. But I tell you that the light is trying to cause the darkness in your life to flee. And as you hold on to the darkness, then you're not going to embrace the fullness of light and what you're going to do is you're going to live in that twilight period it's that time as morning is coming as the sun is trying to creep over the, the horizon and it's pushing back the darkness you're going to live in a perpetual horizon where it's not quite day and not quite night because the light is trying to confound the darkness and as long as you are trying to hold on to the darkness then you yourself are going to feel confounded but i want to tell you that jesus is trying to enter in and bring in the beam of light oh bring in the wave of truth to cut and to sever any relationship between darkness. It's only in giving up those things that allow the shadow of darkness to thrive 
that some of those knots are going to get untied and you're going to start living free. Here's the third thing that the author talks about. He says, Christ and Belial. Who is Belial? Well, Belial in this context is referring to Satan. That word Belial is used about 20 times throughout Scripture. I think it's only a couple of times when it's speaking specifically to Satan. But Belial also represents the embodiment of evil. Christ represents in this passage uh, the fullness of God. And Belial would represent the fullness of the lack of God. So this statement actually glorifies Jesus to the fullness while also reminding us that there is an adversary. But it takes us even a step further because it places Christ in a position of full authority. But Belial would then also reign as a full authority of evil and darkness. In other words, Christ and Belial are antithetical to one another. Well, it's clear the author is telling us that there is no relationship. So let's bring this back. And I'll ask that question I asked at the beginning. When is the last time you made somebody feel uncomfortable? When's the last time somebody was in your presence and began to question their own sin and their own lifestyle? Oh, that there would be areas in your life that's not intended to cause war or conflict, but actually it begins to work much like a washing machine. There's a aspect of a washing machine. It's a pole that is in the center of a washing machine and it's called an agitator. And as garments begin to rub up against this agitator, as it twists and turns, the agitation actually begins to knock the stains off the clothing. It begins to knock off the grime and the dirt. It's actually the agitation in of itself that brings about the cleansing. It's the whole purpose. And so I want to ask the question one last time. When's the last time you make somebody feel uncomfortable? When is the last time the Holy Spirit used you as an agitator because you are walking as a beacon of light and of hope and of truth? And when the agitation of the Spirit begins to, to rub up against the filthiness and the ungodliness and the holiness of this world you begin to knock some grime and some dirt off of the lives of the people around you in the best way possible i want to tell you that God wants to use you in a way that when you step into a room and people are feeling heavy and hopeless and depraved, that you begin to agitate the environment, that you begin to make sin feel just a little bit uncomfortable, that when you walk in a room, those demonic forces and powers of anxiety and depression, they get a little bit uncomfortable and they don't want to hang around anymore because a child of the king has walked in. Hallelujah. Oh, if you would say to God, even now, God, use me to make some people feel uncomfortable. Oh, not in a bad way, but let the love, let the joy, let the hope that shines. Oh, let it confound the darkness and let it shine into the darkest regions of people's lives. That all that sin, all that vileness of culture starts to get uncomfortable. I'm not going to be the one to excuse myself from an environment. When I step into my job, when I step into my house, wherever I am going, Going, I'm gonna make some people feel uncomfortable. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, God, you're calling us out. 
You're calling us out from the system and the pattern of a world that leads to destruction, that leads to emptiness, that leads to hopelessness. God, the ecclesia, your body, the, the church, we are the ones that are called out. But then, Lord, you send us back. You said, behold, I send you back like sheep among wolves. So there may be some danger. There may be some problems involved in that, but there's also hope. So, Lord, as you send us back in, you're sending us into something that's ruthless, that wants to eat us alive. But, God, you've given us your spirit and you've said greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And so if you send us back into the world, you send us back as victors and overcomers. And God, I pray for each saint that is listening right now, each believer that you would equip them with the authority and the power to make the powers of darkness uncomfortable, that we would see souls one for your glory and your honor in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm so happy to spend some time with you. I pray that you would receive this message. And then the next time you step into an environment and somebody starts talking down to you because you're a holy roller or because you just are in love with Jesus, then you would take that as a sign that the spirit of God is agitating and knocking the grime and the dust of this world off of the environment around you. Keep your head up high, man and woman of God. You serve a living God who has gone before you. Thanks be to this God. He always leads us in triumph. So keep on going because everywhere you go, you're going to see victory. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to continue running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. Until next time, keep pressing on.